2: Listeners and welcome to Soft Talk Radio. With you this cool Sunday in late May is Joe Quinn. Hi there. Jason Martin. Hello. And myself, Neil Bradley. We're also delighted to have with us this week a friend and colleague, Anne, who's an editor of Net. Hello, Anne. hello. Okay, I'm sure our listeners are aware uh of another so called terror attack last week, this time in London, England. London, England. We thought we'd begin by, well, just discussing what happened, I suppose, as a kind of a recap, Um, and then try and put it in the context of other recent attacks. Obviously, the Boston bombings, and before that, the Sandy Hook school shooting, which wasn't technically a terrorist attack, but as we've discussed, it has the same net effect. Um, As if you've seen our, our radio show advert, when we put it up, you'll know that what we really want to get into is this pattern that's developing where you've got people, particularly online, they're, they're, they're kind of framing these events as complete hoaxes from start to finish. Just at the outset, I'll just say, it just seems off the wall to us. I mean, us seasoned conspiracy theorists. <laughs> so before we get into it, though, let's look at what happened in London last week. So a guy, two guys, in fact, are filmed. The first I saw of it was a headline in the English paper, The Guardian, with the video of two guys' bloody hands.
3: Hang on a minute. What are we talking about this week on the show?
2: Uh, conspiracy theories. Just conspiracy theories, or a particular aspect of conspiracy theories? I don't. I don't know what happened in London,
1: though. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm curious.
3: Well, we'll get into that, but the, basically the topic of the show is conspiracy theories. But that's a very broad topic. Um, specifically, we're going to be looking <clears throat> looking at um, the way conspiracy theories have evolved of late, since uh, really since the Sandy Hook shootings and the idea of actors and hoaxes, because this is something that's fairly new. Um, particularly in the sense, uh, in the way that's being dealt with, uh, the, the emphasis that has been given to the idea of actors and hoaxing and that, to some extent, the actual terror attack didn't happen at all. Mm. Um, and when we saw it on nine eleven uh, a little bit with the claims of uh, fake planes uh, and holograms and things like that. But um, until, as, as far as I can see, until... Um, Sandy Hook. There was no major kind of push uh, to to pitch terrorist attacks or shootings or terrorist attacks of any of any flavor as hoaxes, as they didn't really happen or they were in some way staged. Uh, it's it's a it's a step further than just saying the government did it. It's now saying the government didn't do it in a did it kind of way.
4: It certainly appears to be the latest. variation of a counterintelligence program that's working very, very well.
1: Well, I mean, the interesting thing is why it works, I think. You know, I think the problem is is that people just, they're very sensitive and it really is hard for people to think that the government may have been complicit in some way or directly responsible and planned or some, you know, people to, you know, go into a room and shoot a bunch of kids, you know, in in school in America, right? That's a (laughs) It's a painful idea to, to have to accept, you know, so they'll, they're willing to accept almost anything other than that. Because, I mean, I mean, what do you do when you're in a world where where people who are supposed to be responsible in your government, if there's now there's this evidence that they're going into a room full of kids and shooting them up, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, they're going to lash on to anything.
4: I think that's part of it. I think part of it. Is that's that, why it's successful. I think part of it is that they sense they're not being told the truth. Yeah. They, they can feel it, but they don't know exactly how they're not being told the truth. So they start to look, and then they are very very effectively herded in a certain direction that ensures they're never going to get to the truth.
1: Yeah, but out of you know fear and pain and the and, and the fear of having to to accept a world like that, it is difficult. You know, it's easier to bury your head in the sand.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, that's definitely a factor. But of course, <clears throat> I suppose the the thing that I'm trying to say is that up until now it was okay for. Hardened conspiracy theorists and alternative news websites, etc., to just look at the details of previous terror terrorist attacks, or so-called terrorist attacks, and blame it on the government uh, to some extent, to one extent or another. But uh, it's
4: kind of morphed.
3: No, it's morphed into a kind of like I said, the government has gone to a new level of deception.
2: Yeah, they're doing it so much; it didn't really happen at all. Yeah. <clears throat> and in well, just to give you the recent example, um, so these guys were seen they, they carried out this attack they, in London apparently they knew of this British soldier, ran him down in his car not far from his barracks in Woolwich, South London, and then proceeded to drag him in full view of i think up to a hundred people and decapitate him with a butcher knife. It was filmed by someone who was nearby the culprits were then interviewed or they gave some statements to this this filmer and uh, next thing it's headline news not just headline news well that's understandable it was a horrific attack but it's headline news and the British government calls an emergency Cobra secret intel meeting where they got that to get together the entire cabinet and the head of MI5 and the head of their their, their, chair, their chairman for intelligence committee. Stuff. And it was kind of, okay, well, someone's been murdered brutally, but I'm afraid it happens rather frequently in, in London yep. and other
1: places. So yep. well, what was the solution to the problem? How well, one, they prevent- one of the very first things
2: being discussed apparently was clamping down on extremist websites.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now,
4: and guess how they define extreme, extremists? Anything they don't agree with?
2: Well, yeah, down <laughs> the, the fine print towards the end of the article will tell you, well, the, by, by extremist websites, we are, of course, referring to jihadist forums For where now. these guys supposedly hang out. For now. For now. Mm-hmm. But the first ten paragraphs, and no one really gets any further than that. They read this, oh... The internet's a problem. That's the take-home message.
3: Yeah. Well, this this particular attack had um, <clears throat> had all the hallmarks of um, a planned operation. By it seems by more than just these two guys. You know, um, the like in so many other so-called terror attacks, uh, the guys involved had an intel background in the sense that they had been contacted by British intelligence uh, several years ago, and, you know, who knows what happened af- after that, but it's on the record that they were officially, on the official record that they were, they had been, they were under the radar, on the radar of, of British intelligence and had been contacted, Had been one of them had actually been, been asked um, if he would work for British intelligence. So we see
4: this over and over and over again, these
3: situations. Yes, where the people involved. And, you know, so, as Neil was just saying, um, there are many stabbings. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just, it wasn't that they they knocked him down, knocked the soldier down outside the barracks in their car and then got out and started stabbing him. And allegedly, because I do, still don't really believe this until I find some. Hard evidence, not that I might ever get that, but that I still don't believe necessarily that that they, that they decapitated him, or even that they were trying to. Uh, well, all I'll, we know is that they mm-hmm. were they were they were kind of
2: stabbing him. Well, this is the kind uh, of thing. A, a woman who was on the scene and conf- they said confronted. She didn't really. She just went up and asked him, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Um, in her testimony, she yeah. said that no, I didn't. No one was decapitated. No the head yeah. was still there. Well, of course, yeah. Yeah, it was. I
3: mean, but the, it was even, the allegations that they were attempting to... But that's all kind of hearsay well, and you're not what? going to get
4: yeah. any information what about that. What woman walks up to two men stabbing a third man and says, uh, what are you doing?
3: This is a is very strange aspect of it because uh, it wasn't...
4: Pardon me. Um, it
3: wasn't like these two guys were uh, kind of crazed slashers or shooters who were running around this uh, Woolwich Street, uh, you know, slashing and shooting people. They were very calm, very relaxed. They um, once they had stabbed the guy, they pulled him out into the middle of the street, and they went around to people who were who were who were standing around, had begun to kind of gather around, uh, and asked them to take pictures on and, and to to film them. And one woman had a camera, and so she he, this guy gave. An interview, basically, immediately afterwards, to this woman, explained why he did it. Why? And and well, that the thing. Doesn't ab- sound like a
5: sign-up at all now. Well, the it?
3: thing about it, yeah, it's very strange. And it, and they were there for twenty minutes. They just hung around for twenty minutes. That's right. Afterwards, and to the to the, it, it, just the impression you get is that it was a very strange, it was a very very strange scenario. It wasn't your typical stabbing or shooting or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, why what did they say? Why did they well, say they did well, it? Well, hang on, they they, I mean, th- I was just going to make a point that to the extent that one person or a number of people who were there. When they saw the uh, the guys, the two guys stabbing the soldier, they weren't sure. They thought they were trying to resuscitate him. Mm. You know, so the, the the scenario seems to have been that no one was actually sure because the guy these guys were, had such a relaxed demeanor. No one was really hundred percent sure what was going on. It wasn't gotcha. a crazed knife attack, you know. Uh, but the guy the guy basically said that uh, this was uh, uh, he was doing this in reprisal for the murder of Muslims by the British army, British soldiers around the world, and that this happens to in Muslim countries every day at the hands of British soldiers. So he thought he would uh, give them a taste
1: of their own medicine, essentially. Wow, that's so believable. That was his, that was his. <laughs> the the, the situation is so believable. Well, I mean, of course, it's not like something right out of a movie. That's the sarcasm man. tone, in case you can't pick up on Yeah. it. Well, of, of course, it, uh, the
3: interesting thing about it, him saying that, Kind of puts, by, by association, uh, kind of smears anyone.
2: Yeah, but who, right in the firing who, line. <laughs>
3: who, who says the same thing? You know, because right. he came, so he's this supposedly this crazed uh, killer of a soldier, but he comes out with this rather, um, rather, well reasoned and rational political discourse on on, on why he was doing it not that the well, murder not that
1: well, the murder is rational but I'll the, never the motivation due unto others what has been done unto you is well, a that's rational what he
3: said no,
2: no, and he no. said an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth well, well you, not you not
3: tooth won't agree that it's rational but many yeah. other people would you know for yeah, for yeah, example yeah, most sure. of americans and most british but particularly americans after 9/11 were employing the eye for an eye it was they attacked us now we have to go and attack them that was the whole uh, support base yeah, of we don't war. know who them
2: is but let's just start with the whole world
4: well the bigger point is that we're being worked Everyone who saw that video, everyone who recorded that video, everyone who's passed it around and is talking about it is being worked right now psychologically. It's a ridiculous setup. It's clearly a psychological operation. You know, people don't behave that way. Yeah,
3: yeah, so that's yeah. That's the bigger point. Yeah, I mean, he, he had spent time. He was actually, the guy's name, um, there were two of them, but the guy who supposedly did the killing was um, his name. I just have to look at his name here. Uh, Do you have his name? there, name? The victim? No, the, the attacker.
2: The attacker's name was, he's uh, of Kenyan extraction. Michael yeah, okay. Adebolajo. Yeah, that's him. Um,
3: he. Let, so, what were you yeah, he was, say? Well, he was he's Nigerian. Uh, of Nigerian, his parents are Nigerian. He was brought up, educated yeah. in the UK, uh, and his parents are Christian. And he six months ago. He was radicalized, supposedly on a trip. <laughs> radicalized. Radicalized okay. on That's
1: a the six-month radicalization. On a trip, they cast a spell on him. He was radicalized on a
3: trip to on a trip to Kenya, actually, where he was apparently tortured by local Kenyan officials who picked him up, probably on the orders of the British intelligence, because Kenya is still pretty much a British client state, uh, since it. Uh, gained independence in the in the 50s, but up until then it was completely overrun and controlled by the British and is largely still to today. It's it's a, it's a MI5's kind of one, of... one of MI5's happy... Or MI6's happy hunting grounds uh, for Muslim extremists, etc. He, so he was there with a group of other people. Supposedly he was going to a school to learn some Muslim radicalization or something like that, and he was picked up by the Kenyans who he, tortured him. And then yeah, after that, he, he,
1: he, was, when he came he was, back he was when he came Hasn't back he even, like seen those like universities or like Phoenix University ads that you get would you go, I mean they make it sound like that those there's these, these ads floating around the internet you know you know sort of like a correspondence course in terrorism online get your online doctorate i mean it's in, it's, in under 6 months in under 6 months
2: yeah that's pretty much the, right. the Kenyans arrest him on on the <sighs> on the suspicion of being at the center of an al qaeda inspired plot in 2010. What else? Yeah. So that was actually three years ago. Then there was a more recent I think trip Yeah. six months ago. So he actually goes back longer uh, under their radar. This is, is not it's, it's three years old rather than six months. Now his family have said some interesting things.
3: Well the radicalization according to his friend occurred six months ago where he became much more withdrawn okay. and uh, changed his, his his personality and His behavior changed around then.
2: Yeah. Now his family uh, adds some context here. They claimed he was held in detention, tortured, then deported back to Britain without charge. Mm -hmm. Now it's interesting that he was, if he'd been found guilty in in Kenyan court, he was going to be executed. Mm -hmm. Something intervened. The next thing you know, he's back on a plane to the UK. And MI5 are harassing him. Pestering was the word his uh, members of his family's youth. He was pestered by MI5 agents, pressuring him to become an informant for them and infiltrate radical Islamic extremist groups.
3: Yeah, so let me, I'll, I have a little clip here to play. This is a, an interview, it's kind of interesting because it was
2: from a few days ago. It was an interview
3: with a friend of his called Abu Nusaiba, um, who was interviewed by, I think, the BBC. And immediately after the interview, he was arrested. By British intelligence, taken out of the, they actually came into the into the studio. This is just a few days ago. It's only a couple of minutes, but this is what his friend. There's a there's a, a reporter who gives a little introduction, and then there's
6: his friend. Came into the BBC. We conducted the interview. Immediately after the interview, um, I'm told three people from Special Branch were in BBC premises. They arrested the man. And and uh, so you know very dramatic events tonight.
5: Did he give any indication to you that he was capable of such horrific violence? No, I mean when when I saw the uh, uh, the the default, the photos of him initially, I thought it was a joke. I thought like no, you know like are you serious? Like, no, it can't be him. You know there's no way it can be him because it didn't make sense because his his whole concept you know uh, you know uh, 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 was he just wanted to go and live in a Muslim land, basically, you know, and just basically get away from all the problems and all the troubles, basically, you know, because at, at that at that time, he was uh, basically being harassed by MR5. You know, this is something that he specifically mentioned to me. He said that MR5 had come to him. I think he, on on his uh, on his return back, uh, he had been stopped, and subsequently after that, basically, he was followed up by MR5. You know, he said they came to his house. You know, they were saying knocking at his door, knocking on his door. He pretended that he wasn't there. But they were knocking so much, he thought to himself, like, look, you know what, I need to kind of like, you know, come and show my face. So he came out, he spoke to the uh, to the MI5 agent, and they were saying, look, we just want to have a chat with you, we just want to speak to you. So when did he tell you this? This is roughly about six months ago, roughly.
2: And what was his reaction to being approached by the security service MI5?
5: Yeah, the his, his situation was that, you know, his wording was... You know, ask them, you know ask me and his brother, you know, they're bugging me, you know, like they just keep, you know, they won't leave me alone, basically.
6: Did he explain know? what they wanted?
5: He mentioned that they want, uh, initially, they wanted to ask him whether he knew certain individuals, basically. Uh, that was the initial issue. But uh, after him uh, saying that he didn't know these individuals and so forth, uh, what he said is they asked him whether he'll be interested in working for them.
2: Well, there's a lot of allegations there, Richard. We'll come to them in a second. But on the MI5 point, a lot of people watching that will be thinking, that was MI5 doing their job. Yeah, doing that their job. That was do. MI5
6: doing their job.
4: Isn't this the exact same story that the friends of the Boston Bombers
2: told? If you replace yeah. MI5 with FBI? Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, it's the exact same narrative.
2: Mm-hmm. Interestingly, another friend said that when he came back to Britain, MI5 contacted him and showed significant interest in Michael, Harassed him for a while, including constant calls from people claiming to be from the FBI. So they were not far behind either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think whatever way you slice it, this guy was manipulated from start to finish,
3: mm-hmm. like all the others, like yeah. like the long list of FBI terror plot patsies, uh, all who were who are easily, you know.
4: So anyone paying attention is going to start to say, "Hey, wait a minute. The FBI is always involved. MI5 is always involved." And they start to go down that route and then all of a sudden they're distracted by this bright, shiny idea that the whole thing was a hoax and there are paid actors involved.
3: Mm-hmm. Not only are they distracted by that, but it makes it very difficult for anybody trying to follow the hard evidence and present a uh, just, you know, based based uh, present a case based on the hard evidence. It makes it very difficult to do that when you have these kind of rather spurious Claims of uh, the actual event, the actual attack, terror attack, or whatever, being a hoax; uh, it being staged; it not really having happened at all. In some cases, I mean, one of the one of the things about this this guy the, uh, the attack in, <clears throat> in London the other day was that people immediately jumped on the idea that um, there was no blood. First of all, people just and and you find that in, in in the past few cases, people will say there's not enough blood, there's not enough blood. But I mean, even have
4: decapitated lots of folks, and that's not enough blood. Yeah.
3: <laughs> or even even there is blood, they're, they're already before they even look at all of the pictures, available pictures from the event, they will have posted, you know, 20 YouTube videos saying, "Busted, not enough blood in this one. We've got mean- the government by the."
1: cojones on these are the people whose anatomical education comes from like horror films and kill bill and yeah. stuff, you know so basically they they jumped on this idea that With the tarantino wo- factor it's a tarantino education in an
3: anatomy there there wasn't enough blood but there was there's pictures of blood uh, from where he was being where he was dragged from, from where the car. he run down uh, yeah and, and the point out.
4: being instead of following the obvious pattern and where and going where that takes you it's societal engineering we are being worked as a society they get lost in this jungle of not enough blood yeah and the
3: other thing was on his hand, the the, the famous by, by now video of this guy talking to right. the camera person and holding the, the the knives in his hands and both his hands have blood on them and they're they're quite red and um and then there's another video from more or less the same angle where his hands are more of a orange color and people jumped on that as saying well look there's two videos here one with blood one without pretty much the same thing uh, this is obviously staged this is this is a hoax somebody put that red blood on his hands but the thing is if you look at the video where there is apparently no blood his, his hands are quite orange they're an unnatural colour there's certainly, certainly there's something on his hands his hands aren't the normal colour of a black person's hands let's say so if you look at the compare the two videos, the one with the with the red blood in his hands, there are red lines along the road, along the the, the, the sidewalk. Yeah. And in London all these red line zones, whatever it's for it's not for no parking, it's for something else, where they paint two red lines along the side of the road. So you've got in the red hands one, you've got the red lines in the road. And <clears throat> the one with the orange or allegedly no, no blood, blood. video, the line the red lines along the side of the road are orange, similar colour to his hands, which and the obvious deduction, then, <coughs> the obvious conclusion is that someone has applied some kind of a
5: post-video
3: editing filter yeah. to tone down the, the red to try an orange. Them. I mean, that's right. all it is. It's obviously the same, but that doesn't stop people from running. just running with it. Yeah, and and you know they did very similar things with the, with the Boston bombing. You know.
1: Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. I mean, you can't trust a camera picture because what if the person who took it was, you know, didn't do it right or ran it through something? You don't know. I mean. And why not spend all
4: that energy paying attention to the fact that Boston got locked down and militarized police officers walked into every single house without a warrant, made the family leave, searched the house. It's a complete police state, and people aren't spending energy going, oh, wow, cause and effect, two benefits. They're spending the energy saying fake actor hoax. It's just the oldest trick in the book.
2: Absolutely. Just before we, we go back to Boston bombings, um, the reason why this concerns us is because I have here a mainstream article, Huffington Post their UK edition, but nevertheless, Woolwich Attack, bizarre conspiracy theories claim entire incident was hoax. So they can refer to these things and it's put them up there as if theories. as if this is what the all uh-huh. the wackos out there are thinking about. mm mm-hmm. They don't. They refer to that video Joe described, where someone's obviously up deliberately applied color contrast to make it seem like there was no blood on on the attacker's hands, and then they proceed to name particular sites. You know, I go to this one and check it out, see what they're saying, and they they quote, you know, they, they quote some of these commentators, not just referring to this attack, but referring to Sandy Hook, Boston bombings, and this current one, all in the same context, namely that. They were hosts from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So this is why it concerns us, and this is why we want to talk about it today because it's. Uh, well, you, you get discredited by association. Exactly. When they throw. You know, your it audit. runs
4: the train of legitimate inquiry off the track. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It speeds it up to the point where.
2: They, they included a comment the Huffington Post, which is dead on, but not for the reasons that that, that is assumed in the article. Conspiracy theories in the aftermath of tragedies are becoming ever more common as fringe groups pick up, pick apart police video and media reports, often causing pain and suffering to genuine victims they accuse of being actors. And that, that if you think about it, that would be a completely legitimate response. People heard that the whole thing was faked and they are directly affected by it. Maybe they knew someone or whatever. Well, Jesus, that's... Yeah, that right there is going to hurt, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so
3: hurtful. Yeah. It's and it's just just in case people um misunderstand what we're saying here, we're not saying that there's only so far you can go because people won't understand it. We're talking here about claims of evidence of conspiracy that are pretty easily debunked.
1: Yeah, I mean I they... mean
3: you're setting yourself up to be laughed at if you don't do your homework in advance and make sure that you're not saying something that you yourself could have explained away as basically normal that it wasn't something strange or bizarre or evidence of conspiracy if you want if you're into evidence of conspiracy you need to be serious about it and not just jump at the first thing or leap to conclusions and therefore set yourself up to be laughed at I mean why would you why would you want to do that and I mean I don't understand why so many formerly fairly sober, rational and sane conspiracy theorists who have written and talked about other aspects of terror attacks and the war on terror and 9-11 have all, and I mean all with the exception of satnet have all jumped on this actors and hoaxing bandwagon. I really, I'm, I'm struggling to get my head around why these people who, like I said, seem to have a fairly decent brain on them have just, Plot. It certainly uh,
4: appears that they have fallen for a classic counterintelligence program, and it's that simple. I mean, I think that there's been enough work done since 9-11 on revealing some of the hands behind the curtain, at least revealing the fact that we are not being told the truth. We are not being told the truth by the media. We are not being told the truth by our government. And people are really starting to delve into that and, and prove it and explain it in a rational way. Mm-hmm. And so what's the next step of the counterintelligence folks? Hey, let's, let's run that train off the tracks. So we'll speed mm-hmm. it up as fast as it can go. We use a lot of emotion, mm-hmm. hook a lot of people. You know, they won't know what to believe. Let's mm-hmm. do it.
3: Well, on the, on the hands thing, on the blood and no blood on the hands of the guy in London, <clears throat> there's two possible explanations, as, as I see it. One is that the media applied that kind of contrast filter to make it look like there was no blood or there was a difference in the, in the color of the, the blood on, on his hands in an effort to uh, pander to the squeamish sensitivities of the British public or someone out there in YouTube land decided to upload it to deliberately provoke the fakery and hoaxery
2: people to to do it around this one as well, you know? I'm leaning towards the latter. Because, I mean, after Sandy Hook, the thing that struck me most was that not so much that these ideas were were out there and being discussed, but the sheer coverage they were receiving. When Anderson Cooper trashed the idea... Sandy Hook uh, was, was, anything was, was anything other than what we're told it was? <clears throat> he referred to the, uh, the idea that it was all a complete stage, Not that there were actor. actors:: That's and was, so As a case. result of that it's so easy to do. As a result of that, videos on YouTube and elsewhere on social media promoting this idea their coverage exploded. I mean, they're getting like 10 million hits. Yeah, I know. And That's then the reasonable voices trying to say, you know, well, if you look at the
1: historical context, blah, 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 are just drowned out by this, this noise. Mm-hmm. They just, they create their own competition and they control the debate. Yep, yeah, exactly. Having both sides of the argument.
3: We've we we we've got a call here. I think I'm going to go ahead and take it. Hi, Hello? Clara, what's your name? Hi, what's your name? Where are Hello.
0: you calling from? Hello, I'm Gabby. I'm calling from Spain.
3: Hi Gabby. Can you to
0: me? I got Hi, you. hello. <laughs> well, I was listening to the to the hopes part, and the there is, you know, no broad uh, argument, and I want to share an inside view because you okay. see, I'm well, I'm a I'm a medical doctor, and I'm trained as a heart surgeon. Not that I'm a okay. trauma doctor, but I have the experience, you know, uh, assisted in thousands of surgeries, open heart surgeries. I have Mm -hmm. done, she's in the ER, where people arrive with complex fractures, basically almost complete amputation. You will be Mm -hmm. surprised to see, like, there's no blood. (laughs) And um, also have experience, you know, to um, have infections, you know, sternum, the chest bone. I Mm -hmm. have a estimation of how much the bone marrow bleeds. You'll be surprised okay. that it's hard to that you just have to pop, apply like a thin layer of wax and that's it, you know. And, okay. you know, people will be surprised too to, to realize that you can do like entire surgery and finish with your woes clean, you know. If you take care of each vessel as you go, basically, you know, it for me, sounds sounds surreal that, you know, that kind of like an argument of no blob, like as if, if it must be like a gory Hollywood movie. <laughs> Yeah. You can, you know. Know. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: just just in your experience, I mean, this this kind of relates maybe directly to um, the amputee at the Boston Marathon, Jeff Bowman. Um, I mean, in your experience, in a, in an operating room, or if you've seen patients come in with with that kind of a leg injury, where m- more or less the leg has been either fully or almost fully severed. Um. Is, I mean, is there should there be blood? Kind of. I mean, I'm, we're not. I'm, I, if you have any experience, it would be actually quite useful. If you experience of of kind of amputations in hospital. Of
0: yeah, of I, people's I, legs. I, I, because surely
3: when you when they cut off a, a leg in a hospital, they have to have some way of making sure blood doesn't squirt anywhere if that is what actually happens, right? I mean.
0: And it doesn't actually happen that way. I've tested amputations almost at the level of the hip bone. Uh, that's okay. a pretty major surgery. And uh, it, was, it was not like, you know, blood, you know, everywhere. Because you basically section, you know, the vessels and you stop the bleeding as you go. And then yeah. basically, yeah, basically when you section, you know, an artery, it is done with heat, with kind of coagulation. When you manipulate an artery, it starts to coagulate immediately, so the bleeding will stop. To the point that so in surgery, that... you have to you have to use blood thinners in order to in order to stop that. You know.
4: Okay, so if that happens out in the wild and it's not in a hospital setting, <laughs> is it very different? I mean, do you think there's less blood because they're in hospital and there are techniques being used to slow the blood, or? No, no, actually, I
0: remember seeing uh, that picture of the Boston Marathon bombing, Mm and for me, it was like reality, as it is, you know, as it is in your brain room, basically. Okay,
3: so you're you're saying that the body has kind of automatic uh, functions that when that kind of trauma is experienced, that one of the first things that the body tries to do is to stem the blood flow, because your body kind of knows that if you lose all your blood, you're going to die.
0: Yeah, of course. And then you know, a person taking care of a of a complex factor, you know, the the immediate reaction is just to stop the bleeding. And basically, a person when he arrives to the yard, ER, it's you know, we'll be surprised to see how clean they can arrive. Basically, so it's mm-hmm. like bloodshed everywhere. It's just like a myth come out mm-hmm. of Hollywood. I don't know why. Right.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, so basically, from your experience as as a surgeon, you're kind of saying that when you saw that, that image of Jeff Bowman after the bomb that kind of blew his legs off at, the, at about the knee level, um that the pictures that we saw on TV weren't that unusual and we're, no, for people, in terms of
0: I never questioned you know for me it was like reality. And it reminds okay. me of pictures I've seen also from other countries, other bombings like Palestine, and nobody ever questioned uh-huh.
3: that. Yeah, so absolutely. I yeah.
0: just wanted to share that.
3: <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much, Gabby, for your input there. Thank
2: you. That was really She's good. Talking. Thank you. Okay,
0: bye.
2: Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> well, okay, so Gabby, that that's really interesting because... It was the sheer certainty of of some commentators about what they what they thought they were seeing with Jeff Bowman, it both immediately after the bomb was happened because someone was there and they took close close pictures, mm-hmm. and then his uh, being escorted away from there in the wheelchair mm-hmm. and eventually into a tent. I think
5: mm-hmm.
2: you, you had you had I suppose uh, you had people who were not medical experts making very definitive statements, yeah about how what they saw could not have been yeah an unreal and deal and and to me when I thought about it,
3: <clears throat> it really didn't make any sense and I looked at all the pictures and I tried to make it make sense in my head as to how this could have how this could be true that uh and the theory for i'm sure most people listening know the theory is that Jeff Bowman was already an amputee and he was placed at the site of the bombing, perhaps with a couple of friends, um, and the bomb went off right where he was, and I'm assuming it would have done some damage to him, because the bomb appears to have been a real bomb of some description, but nevertheless, him and his couple of friends uh, immediately went into action and started to uh, apply this uh, bloody prosthetic limb to his stumps. Well. He was seen standing there beforehand in one of the pictures, Jeff Bowman. So he would have had two full prostheses.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the bomb went off and I suppose he removed quite them. helpfully blew those prostheses away. Oh, yeah. So, and then he had another one in a bag somewhere, maybe, I don't know, um, nearby. And his friend picked that up and applied that. And immediately afterwards, because I looked at the pictures and there are some pictures. Um, there are pictures from behind where they were standing looking at the finish line up in a uh, first floor building just above and the guy just pu- had just pushed this sh- the, the button on his camera and was taking one picture every, every or two pictures every second and he took about 40 or 50 of them and just held the button down. So the very first one of those pictures shows the smoke kind of clearing and Jeff Bowman and a couple of other people around him right in the centre of, of, of this explosion and you can tell they're in the centre of the explosion because there's a video from the other angle, from behind the finish line, looking down the street, uh, and probably most people have seen this video as well, a the bomb just going off on the right hand side. <clears throat> and there's a guy who's running along, and as that bomb goes off, one of the marathon participants kind of reacts to it and kind of sways over to the side. And this guy is quite noticeable because he's got blonde hair, uh, black and white running outfit, and pink socks. Uh, So he reacts to this in the video of the bomb going off in the video looking down the street from behind the finish line. And in the pictures that I just mentioned, looking at the finish line from just behind where the bomb went off, uh, the first few pictures just uh, where the bomb, when the smoke is clearing and Jeff Bowman and these people are there, you can see this guy who in the video is reacting to the bomb. You can see him with his pink socks and his blonde hair and his black and white top running in the exact position that he's seen in the video. So that kind of, those two, pieces of evidence kind of put Jeff Bowman and these other people right in the position where that bomb went off and it was it seems to have been a proper bomb because you can see the kind of the, the, the advertising uh, signs and stuff that were on the railings kind of blown out you know as the bomb went off so it was a pretty a pretty strong concussive force you know so but nevertheless it was said, as we've said um, these three guys these three people Jeff Bowman and two others at least uh <clears throat> somehow survived that blast uh, in, uh, and were kind of compass enough to go into their role of actors by applying prostheses, etc., etc. Um,
1: I mean, just when you tell it like that, it sounds ridiculous. But
3: well, that's the only way. I mean, that's it. I just follow it through well, in terms of trying to understand it. Had to it had be a
1: fake bomb, too.
3: Well yeah, but then for that, that to work. Yeah.
4: I think the point is we know that the entire situation was managed. It was probably a false flag. We know we're being lied to. We know the coverage of it was being managed. And that could be investigated and followed and we could see who benefits and we can see the continued societal engineering. But instead of us doing that mm-hmm. as a alternative news community, we get completely sidetracked and worked and managed and really herded. And into this idea, And tarred, absolutely, into this idea but kind of that any person off the street is going to look at you like you are, you've are, you lost your marbles. You say, oh, they were actors. None of that actually happened.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Well, one of one of the interesting things, and this is the kind of thing that we'd like to talk about if people weren't talking so much about actors and stuff like that, and <clears throat> leaving it at that, because, I mean, if you claim there's actors and uh, it was all faked and stage and stuff, well, then there's not really any need to go into any of the other details. The kind of from our perspective, the more plausible details at that point to it being essentially a, a government operation, an FBI terror plot essentially that went real. Um, and we've, mentioned, Again. we've mentioned before in a previous show about the, the warnings from the police department to the Boston Globe that a bomb was going to go off uh, in one minute and this was two hours before the bomb actually did go off so security officials somehow knew that a bomb was going to go off two hours before it did go off but the other thing about the two brothers uh that were framed for this for this bombing, um they really what people forget is that there's nothing actually there's no real good hard evidence to connect into it. They were just two of many people at the marathon that day watching the marathon who had backpacks on. Um people seem to have decided that because they had backpacks on and the bombs were allegedly in a backpack, then that must they must have been the ones that did it. It's but, a
4: marathon. Thousands of people have backpacks on.
3: Absolutely, yeah. They have their shoes they, of clothes, put them,
4: they have their tennis shoes.
3: They put them on the ground. Yeah. You know, everybody's putting backpacks on the ground, but the idea seems to be that these these two guys were the only two that put their backpacks on the ground, you know, when, when actually reports afterwards said that, you know, in the aftermath, uh, security officials and ambulance workers were going around picking up hundreds of backpacks yeah. that people had left on the ground. So, um but the but the main evidence supposedly is uh against them is the killing the shooting of uh the policeman outside
4: seven eleven or whatever it no, was. it was
3: actually outside um, university yeah, yeah. uh outside m i t and um it was that evening, and it's claimed that the two brothers shot him, but there is no evidence that they shot him because they have CCTV, but it doesn't. It, it it's not possible. To,
1: it, show
3: well, it's not. Po- yeah, well, it's not possible to identify him. Conveniently doesn't show who it was. Um, the they claim that they just walked up to him and shot him because they wanted to get his car, his gun, but they didn't take his gun.
1: They wanted to get. It, they so, shot him to get his gun,
3: but they didn't take because it. They
1: didn't have their <laughs> own gun. Well,
3: they had a gun, but they, maybe they wanted another one. But certainly, they didn't take his gun. He still yeah. had his gun on him when he was found. Um, so. When you look at it, all they, all they have is that someone walked up behind this policeman and shot him in the in the, in the back of the head. Um, but they depended on the two brothers. And it's important for them to pin it on the two brothers because that pitches them then as these crazy people who shoot cops who are likely to yeah, have yeah. done the bombing. It's just And the only other piece of evidence corroborating that is the alleged confession made by the older brother when he later hijacked... Before uh, he was murdered. Yes, when he hijacked the car. It's nonsense. Uh, he hijacked the car. And the guy who, who claims that his car was hijacked and he was held hostage for 30 minutes by the two brothers is is still unnamed and apparently will never be named. He claims that he, he was carjacked by the brothers and that during this 30 minutes or so, uh, they asked him, did you hear about the Boston bombing? And he said, yeah. And the older brother said, I did that. And he said, and I just killed a policeman in Cambridge.
2: So this is the
3: sentences. evidence. This is well, we don't know who he is, not unnamed wow. and he, he won't he be named. This so this, awesome this world. people have to understand this is the sole evidence that links them to the killing of the policeman. So it's purely speculative. There's no real hard evidence for that and the, the killing of the policeman is the only kind of circumstantial or plausible evidence that they were involved in the in the bombing, so there really is no evidence that these two brothers were involved in bombing. You know, well, I
1: mean, like we live in a world like where, where where terrorists go to bombings with their with their passport passport and leave it like neatly on a pile, or where like they they go kill a cop and hijack a car and then admit their entire plot. I mean, it's like something out of a movie, you know, where two the bad guy starts monologuing and it's like, "Let me tell you all the evil things I've done." And Before do I kill you,
2: well, do you know who J D Tippett is? <laughs> uh, JFK, yes. He was a police officer. J.D. J.
3: Tippit was a police officer in Dallas who was shot, allegedly, oh, yeah. by Lee Harvey Oswald. And in exactly the same way as we've just talked about in the two brothers having shot this cop, it was claimed, it was pinned on Oswald that he shot this J.D. Tippit, And that was the only thing that made him a plausible, uh, plausible assassin of JFK because... There were loads of people in that building that Oswald wasn't seen coming out of, and none of them seemed to, uh, at the time, none of them seemed to have thought that he was the one. They didn't see him running down the stairs, sweating, with you know gunpowder on his, you know, fingers or something, and, and 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 you know looking a bit worried. He he was just working normally, but the fact that he was uh, uh, done for, or the fact that they claimed that he had killed uh, the police officer, uh, was really the main. I mean, I think um, Jim, Garrison, well, Jim Garrison actually said that if Oswald was innocent of the Tippett murder, the foundation of the government's case against him collapsed. <laughs> yeah. And that is true. And the thing about it is, is that the Warren Commission completely ignored conflicting eyewitness testimony that there were two people that shot J.D. Tippett, the policeman. One of them, two people, one of them got out of a car, went over, shot him, and they, and they got back in a car with another guy, and they drove away. But supposedly Oswald just walked up to him and did so it's, it's, it's an interesting parallel there between the two, that both of them are connected by the... Both of them are, are the patsies or framed
2: as the patsies because yeah. it, it they ser- shot a policeman it serves to for no reason. It serves to demonize them there and then. And then it justifies the subsequent manhunt.
1: Well, it's yeah. interesting. And
2: guilty. It creates a manhunt, yeah. And it gets the police on, on their gets side. It. Absolutely. Because, oh, they
4: shot one of ours.
1: Dead man. Yeah.
4: It's interesting they use the exact same technique, though. I mean...
1: I think that would be called a calling card. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's their it's their signature. You know, yeah. I mean, it's either that or they're just really unoriginal. Yeah, or both. A few few other things
3: um, that are strange around the, the the Boston bombing. There's a guy called uh, Tadashev. He's another Chechen. He was a friend. He living in Orlando. Uh, a friend, supposedly of the the older brother, the older Tsarnaev brother. And um, this was just last week, I think he. Um, The FBI had been harassing him and apparently, according to friends, he was saying that he felt like he was being set up. But the FBI had uh, come around his house and interviewed him a few times. And on the third and supposedly final interview, for some unknown reason, he lunged at the or is alleged to have lunged at the FBI agent with a knife. So the FBI agent shot him. But the FBI agent, it was lucky for the FBI agent because before he did that, he had confessed the murder of three people and implicated uh, the elder Sarnev brother of the Boston Marathon bombings in those murders as well, but then he shot him, so he couldn't uh, testify in court. Well, saw it. He had a gun. And then you had these two FBI agents who were
4: not Out on life. training.
3: Did oh, yeah. that one? The two FBI agents who were involved they fell out of the helicopter. Yeah, who were, yeah. <laughs> they were involved in in the in the Boston uh, Marathon kind of shootout and chase. Yeah, and they. Um, they were on a training course and accidentally got shoved out of the uh, Well, I mean,
5: accidentally, accidentally
3: fell, fell accidentally from helicopter. Fell. I didn't say shoved. Oh, but there's another, there's another thing, actually, another little interesting coincidence.
4: Oh, but this, this, if this were a movie, you would walk out. Like, it's so not... <laughs> yeah. This police officer, Collier,
3: uh, who just talked about, he was found by another uh, police officer, a transit police officer called Donahue, who was actually his friend. Uh, and he was first on the scene to find the the policeman. I mean shot allegedly by the two brothers. And later that evening, he was in Watertown at the, the bigger, the final shootout with the older, with the brothers and the, the older brother. The when final shootout
4: when the younger brother had no gun.
3: Yeah, exactly. And they were throwing, uh, throwing pressure cookers at police, apparently. You know, 30 They were hungry. Um, well, he was there at that shootout and he got shot. He was the only police officer who got shot by friendly fire. Wow. And unfortunately, the problem with him is that um, he can't say anything about that night because although he survived...
4: he got shot in the throat. No.
3: Well, apparently, he can remember almost nothing about the <laughs> events of that night. And that's the, on the, in the official story: is that he he has no recollection of anything that happened after he found his friend who was allegedly shot by his two brothers and then got shot by one of his own later on that evening in the shootout.
4: And how uh, many people are talking and, about this? How much energy is being spent pointing this out instead of pointing out that it's all a hoax? Uh,
3: it's, you know, these are the little details when you put them all together. They make you go, really? I mean, that's stretching it a lot, you know, and and if you put it in in a historical and I'm not talking about a long term historical context I'm talking about a 10 year or 12 year historical context just back to 9-11 and you look at it in all of of that context and the FBI and the way they have basically nurtured this whole terror plot and terror scare business um, you really, any rational sane person would say yeah it's pretty suspicious but the rational sane people will flee Mm. in horror at the claims of, but it act, at of actors and staged, and you know, blue screens and yeah. et, cetera, et cetera. So you just nullify your argument. You may as well give up. You may as well not bother trying to put together some hard evidence and really trying to convince people with 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 a reasonable argument. If you're going to either include the hoaxing thing and the actors thing, or if you're going to, well, you're, if you're if you're caught up in the association of it, well then you're. You're screwed as well, even if you don't agree with it, you're, you're
4: screwed, you know? Just to clarify again, it's not that it wasn't managed. It's not that it wasn't a setup. It's not that the media coverage was not completely controlled. Absolutely. And that there may have been media plants. Explain of me that. Of course. There are media I'm sure they add That's media not plants in. That's the point.
3: You know? They, uh, like that guy, we played a we played a clip from him on, on 9-11, the uh, Harley Davidson guy, Panda. Mark Walsh, who... Um, he said, "Actually, I'll just play it here for fun."
5: Pulling down, uh, we want to bring in Mark Walsh, who's a, a freelancer for Fox. You live just a few blocks away and witnessed, dude, I was I was I live on the 43rd floor of a building which is 5 blocks from the World Trade Center itself. I witnessed the entire thing from beginning to end. People talk about how it looked like a movie. I know when I came walking down here early this morning and saw both towers on fire and people on every street corner, it was it was it was like a movie, but you watched the planes hit the towers. I was watching with my roommate. It was approximately several minutes after the first plane had hit. I saw this plane come out of nowhere and just Scream right into the side of the twin tower, exploding through the other side, and then I witnessed both towers collapse—one first, and then the second—mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense.
6: Uh, I- <laughs> you gotta love that.
2: Really?
5: Dad. I, I-, I, I wonder. Know.
6: He was—he
3: was, he was a remote viewing the NIST report that came out five years later. Wow. Uh, that said exactly. That.
4: <laughs> according to page two seventy-six, according to structural failure because the fire was so hot.
3: I wondered. Wow. Um, He's an example of a media plant, by the way, yeah, and that's yeah. the kind of media thing you'll get. Yeah, that's the kind of if you want to use the word, word actors, but we don't. Media plant is better. People on well, the they're scene. They're not
1: actors. It's very important to understand that these. Well, are they're doing a job. Working. It's yeah. a job. It's yeah. not, they're not. It's not a job to pretend. I mean, they. It's their job to actively plant misinformation that and to control. Uh, the 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 argument and control the the discussion. By setting the parameters, by giving out a certain amount of information and ideas to make sure that people have have something to grasp onto right away
4: that is not the correct thing to grasp onto, and yeah, it yeah. works really 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 well, oh well, yeah, witness what's happening right now
2: everywhere yeah it there there is room I think for you know at least considering and entertaining and investigating the idea of well actors. Because, well, of course,
1: there is because
2: have. you you have the, there are people. I mean, a lot of people have pointed out that they, when they carry out drills, mm-hmm. they do have hired people to pretend they're injured or pretend they're resting or what have true, you. True, true, true. That that is all true. But the the problem is that there are this idea has been conflated with what we're talking about, which is people on the ground managing the information and or back in the studio managing the information.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you've got other people and and a lot of people will pick up on it and they'll apply their own reasonable, critical thinking to it. And they'll say, well, okay, I I can't accept that there was just all actors. Maybe there was one or two actors in there, but, but it was a real bomb. But they still don't think it through. If you think it through, the only way you could have an actor actually agree to put himself in the line of fire, I think is if the entire cast in the immediate area is in on it. Mm-hmm. Not you, only you, that, but...
1: You need like, to set up almost stage props. That who, can't have been a real street Who impossible. are you going to get to go into a situation where a real-ish, real-ish bomb is going to go off? I mean, even if you got them there with the idea that they weren't supposed to do it, and they, they would totally... It's, the problem is it's a management nightmare you're going to pay actors who are notoriously kind of flaky to begin with. Unless they're mind-controlled or something. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, but you're going to have to deploy this giant mind-control apparatus, too. I mean, it's so expensive. It's so much easier for, like, two or three FBI agents in a back room at the water cooler saying, you know what, why don't we just fake a terrorist attack? You build the bomb. You know, I'll call in this thing. And it takes three guys. They set it up. They drop the bomb. They blow something up. And it's so much cheaper and more effective than deploying, like, mind control subjects, they had to brainwash them and set aside a facility for their brainwashing and they got to pay all these people and it's all this money. It's just so really expensive. Mm. It's like the whole holographic plane. Right. Mm.
4: And once again, and just like 9-11, you know, it's these people focusing on the minutiae of the situation rather than focusing on the bigger picture, which is the whole point. The whole point is as a society, we have been engineered through trauma and fear and we've lost everything that previously defined the society before the year
1: yeah. 2001. Yeah.
4: And that's the big picture. And people won't go there because they're being distracted by these extravagant stories. you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And these simple realizations have the power to bring people together. I mean, the 9-11 truth movement, think of what it could have been against what it is. And this is the reason why the minutiae are endlessly, endlessly debated
1: and off into
2: cul-de-sacs it's because if, if people were realizing these things en masse it w- it would be game over for perpetrators
1: mm-hmm. right.
2: so we'll spin it and spin it in this direction and this direction and in the process destroy a 9-11 truth movement I, I don't know how many times I hear whenever something is exposed, you know oh it's been busted wide open mm-hmm. and then this is great because more and more people are waking up, and yeah, or it's a rallying call, you know. <laughs> but do, no. objectively, really, they're being lied to. I think people. I think it's getting it's more just, it's and more getting fractious. Deeper. Well,
3: it's just yeah, the, the lies and manipulation just are just getting deeper, you know. But I think I don't know if it's people. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's uh, like as as Anne was describing earlier on that it's it's uh, essentially a of cooperation. It has to be to to seed this idea to, ridiculize Uh, conspiracy theorists and to stop anybody Just look
4: at the effects (laughs) Just look at the effects That's all you have to look at The effects are people are not Mm -hmm. paying attention to the fact that there's no root of habeas corpus Your phone calls are recorded, your emails are recorded You can't get on a plane with a bottle of water You have to go through a naked scanner You have no privacy, your medical records are now the property of the federal government Wake up guys, it's not about whether the towers pancaked or not It's not about whether the Boston guy had his legs or not Stop being distracted. Stop
1: being hurted. You are being worked. Yeah. I mean, in the end, That's like,
4: by
1: yeah, like um, when we had that show, people were all like, it's how it happened is so important. It's so important about how it ha-. All, all we care really is that it did happen and someone did it. And then they say, well, you can't know who did it unless you know how it happened. It's like, no, it's like, no yeah, you can, first of all, because it's the person who's sitting there benefiting over exactly. and over who again, benefits? repeatedly. Well, it is
2: interesting to To find to try and find out how it happened. happened. It's the emotional weight that that comes with every, every little thing.
3: Yeah. Well, it's the how it happened is for your day in court
5: yeah. when
3: you've got that far. How far are we yeah,
5: from a day in court
3: happened. over nine eleven? It's kind of never, right? So the how, no matter how compelling your evidence is, the how it happened is is is, is important, but it's. In well, terms in terms of convincing people that 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 there's something wrong, as just said, it's it's much more instructive and, and useful to basically point out how their lives have been changed as a result of this event.
1: And I'll, and I'll you that's a bad analogy because if we were to follow the, the the American or even you know the Western jurisprudence kind of methodology, then yeah, they would be obsessive about you know no body, no no crime, have to know how it was done. And that's not necessarily the best thing because the court often, you know, people can get off because a glove didn't fit. You know, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Yeah, but type I of thing. And that's not the way it should work. It's not that you have to know every single detail of how something happened before you can say that a crime has really been committed. But it's if you switch
4: your perspective from the crime being 9/11 itself to the crime being what has, the dismantling of a republic, exactly, There you go. Then you can gather all your evidence. Yeah.
3: Well, live in it. I, I would say when you get <clears throat> at the, the point that you get to your day in court you have um, the motive you've established you have the, the, the motive and means motive a me- well the motive and opportunity let's say and then the means yeah you know so once you've got them down on the motive and opportunity the, the perps then you would introduce your this is how it was done but so it essentially should be the last piece of evidence that's put in place once you've got a a case closed and all the other ones you know on, 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 on. well i mean i but mean as you say it's never going to get to court so let's face those facts and let's just do what Anne has been saying
1: well, it is, which is to, to, go to inform people in a certain extent. well but not, not in the way we wanted to do it's it's i mean you look at the history of humanity it always goes to court just not the way you want it to <laughs> you know i mean always all empires fall i mean Look at what happened to Russia. You know, people didn't do anything about the corruption until it ate itself up and collapsed. And that's what's going to happen to American empire. Probably, It's going to eat itself up and collapse, or some sort of cosmic thing will happen, or some natural disasters will happen. I mean, because look, a giant two mile wild tornado. I mean, that's not a conspiracy, you know. In the that's true. It will, but in, Katrina, in the meantime, things
4: like that, you know. In the meantime, wouldn't it be great if people could actually see a lie for what it is?
1: And learn to see the truth for what it is. Absolutely. That's the point in the end, I suppose. And that's not what's happening. No, it's not. You know? Because of the, the agent provocateurs who are out there just 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 making mischief. They're just creating, you know, bullshit theories, you know, sitting there with their Photoshop.
4: And, and a lot of people who are really sincere about trying to figure out the truth give up. Yeah. you are like, oh my God! There's so much noise. How do what? What, what way do I turn? And I walk away. What's true? What isn't true? How can I even tell? I give up. I give up. And not, I only,
3: not only that, but you get you get attacked for uh, for trying to point out uh, so the flaws, yeah. trying to be rational about it, and keep it real, and actually caring about that wider audience who may still be plucked from the some of you may still be plucked from the fire, mm-hmm. and, and trying to keep your arguments fairly rational and using hard evidence. Uh, because of the understanding that that's really the only way you're going to reach those people if you're going to reach them at all, but you're really just uh, destroying your argument if you if you use bogus evidence uh, that they can't accept because it's so outlandish and can be proven to be
1: false. But onto what, what Neil is saying is you know it, it, if someone comes up with the theory, hey, what if this was all made up? Actors, you know, should we investigate that? Yeah, obviously. In theory, you have to investigate it because you have mm. to be scientific about it. You mm. can't just discredit something and say, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, there's no such thing as a ridiculous theory. There's theories that can be proven, theories that can't be. You know, simple facts. Um, but at the same time, I would say that there's a certain thing about it. If someone comes to you and says, you know, I was raped, you don't say, well, no, you aren't. You know, I mean, you assume that a crime has been committed until you see some evidence that it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. And you know that's important. That I mean, when there's victims involved, people who are suffering, it's, it's just really not kosher for you to go in and say no, nothing happened. And then, I mean, you don't start from that. You start from okay, a crime, a crime has been alleged here. Let's let's look at the evidence and not jump to the conclusion of oh, it was all actors and stuff because it's mean. To it's people who provocative. Suffer. It's yeah.
4: divisive, and that I think that's by design. And the people who follow
1: yeah. that thinking
4: are helping the bad guys. If you want to put bad guys in quotes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether they mean to or not.
2: That that's what it comes down to. I mean, it, the very first thing the British government rags on is extremist, radical websites, and that plays. Like right we in, didn't see that coming. Yeah. It just plays right into the hands. Uh, I
1: mean, and this coming from a country, the only country in the world, I think, where "blade" is actually a verb. <laughs> I mean, and they don't mean rollerblade. Right? No, blade. They, they, they'll say they blade people. You know, I mean. Yeah. Really, the country is famous for the life violence.
2: And they, in a way, they make no bones about it that they're at war for people's minds, that this is a propaganda war. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read some, something from an article in the British Independent. Obviously, they're spinning this in the context of, oh, Islamic jihadist extremist websites. But mm-hmm. just, I'm not even going to mention that and just read from the introduction. The major battle in the war against extremism is being fought over the Internet by elite teams stationed behind keyboards and engaged in winning the hearts and minds of people. The government, police, and other agencies are involved in a propaganda war to counter extremism. Experts are now bombarding extremist websites to create quote-unquote counter-narrative messages. From survivors of terrorism. Well, yeah, that's what they're doing, counter-narratives. Former radicals also infiltrate forums to spread doubt and challenge the extremist rhetoric. Now, that's not the Islamic extremists there. They're talking about the very people who are most, let's say, who are consciously trying to deceive people with all this nonsense about complete fakery. Um, In other words... They're holding up their own uh, agence provocateurs, and what mm-hmm. they're saying is saying, "Look at those extremists." Mm-hmm. They're and
3: fighting it, both sides of the battle. Yeah,
4: they're, they're well. I they're mean,
3: fighting each other essentially. They're, they're, they're managing the entire discourse and conversation from both ends, and that's the way you do it most effectively. I mean, they're not—they're not, they're no newbies at this. They've been doing it for a
1: long, long time. Well, I mean, like Trinkier, who wrote that wrote a book, Modern Warfare, years and years ago. I mean, this is 40s, 50s, you know, when he wrote this this book. He basically says out and outright that the uh, the whole idea is just to kind of get there first with the propaganda and to make terrorists look like you know assholes, basically, and that that's how you sort of do it. So everything to faking terrorism, uh, pretending to be terrorists, to do bad things, to you know. You create this sort of counter-narrative, as they call it, um, but they're actually probably creating the extremist narrative, actually, the super hardcore, hardline, you know, let's kill everybody jihad stuff. That's them making, you know, so that anybody I, looks retarded. Basically. I'd go so far
4: as to say they're creating all of it.
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Because they think... are
4: in the business of control, and the best way to control society is to keep them
1: terrified. I mean, I mean the idea of an Al-Qaeda website, recruitment website, is just it's really kind of farcical. <laughs> It's really, it really is kind of a bit of a farce to me. I mean, it's just, it it just a, doesn't really add up. A full
2: print color magazine which you can subscribe to. Uh,
1: subscribe to Al Qaeda Weekly. Yeah. It's called Inspire. It's a PDF. It's not. Uh, it's it's not a print. P- it's
2: not print.
1: Uh, yeah. The terrorists are now in ease. I don't subscribe. They're to in it, the really. zine world. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, so adolescent. You know. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 yeah, we know that
2: they've been doing it a long time. Um, that there's a document, and I mean this is in itself held up as the, the canard of conspiracy theories. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Okay, so probably this was a forgery, Yeah, but not in the way people think, because they were falsely attributed to, to Jews or Zionists, but the actual content, if you ever read it, is so diabolically accurate. It's a roadmap. Exactly. Exactly. So much of it's come to pass, you know. It's a hundred years or more <coughs> since it was since it was first published. Um, there's, but uh, I'm going to read out. I'm going to read out some of it. Protocol twelve. What I've done is I've updated some of the term, terminology to well, it, today. We no longer have just the printing press. We're online, of course. So I, I've inserted a few a few words, but I haven't changed the the, the actual structure of it. So protocol twelve, control of the media. We shall deal with online chatter in the following way. What is the part played by the Internet today? It serves to excite and inflame those passions which are needed for our purpose, or else it serves selfish ends of parties. It is often vapid, unjust, mendacious, and the majority of the public have not the slightest idea what ends the media really serves. We shall saddle and bridle it with a tight curb. We shall do the same also with all productions of the alternative media. But where would be the sense of getting rid of the attacks of the mainstream media if we remain targets for bloggers and websites? Among those making attacks upon us will also be soft, pupp- soft puppets established by us, but they will attack exclusively the points that we have predetermined to alter. Not a single announcement will reach the public without our control. Even now, this is already being attained in, by an us inasmuch as as all news items are received by a few news agencies, in whose office they are focused from all parts of the world. These agencies, agencies will then be already entirely ours and will give publicity only to what we dictate to them. Print and online journalism are two of the most important educated forces, and therefore our government will become proprietor of the majority of outlets. This will neutralize the injurious influence of the privately owned press and will put us in position of a tremendous influence upon the public mind if we give ten permits for ten uh, permits for ten websites, we shall ourselves found thirty and so on in the same proportion. This however, must in no, be in no wise be suspected by the public for which reason all websites set up by us will be of the most opposite in appearance, tendencies and opinions, thereby creating confidence in us and bringing over to us quite unsuspicious opponents who will thus fall into our trap and be rendered harmless. In the first rank will stand publications of an official character. They will always stand guard over our interests and therefore their influence will be comparatively insignificant. In the second rank will be the semi-official organs whose part it will be to attack the tepid, and different. In the third rank we shall set up our own to all appearance opposition which in at least one of its forms will present what looks like the very antipodes to us. Our real opponents at heart will accept this simulated opposition as their own and will show us their cards.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: (coughs) That describes pretty much what what COINTELPRO counterintelligence program when the media is. Mm-hmm. And to, to those who would say that, well, the Internet has given us the gift of bypassing this, I say, I don't know about that. I mean, it's given technological tools that could bypass it, but which I think have just increased
1: in proportion. Yeah, as we've written in that the blessing and a curse type of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean it doesn't change anything. It's the printing press on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah. the floodgate.
4: The floodgates are still open for the noise. Yeah, just and the noise much. just gets pumped in faster and faster and stronger and stronger. Yeah. So the signal gets lost.
3: Mhm. There's a there's a story. Just out um, yesterday, a poll. This is from the UK Guardian, that a poll reveals a rising fear of clashes in the wake of the Woolwich killing. And it says, a Yugo poll shows a rise in in proportion of people who believe British Muslims pose a threat to democracy. Nearly two-thirds of people believe that there will be a clash of civilizations between British Muslims and white Britons in the wake of the murder of a British soldier in Woolwich a new poll shows see how effective it was cause and effect type of thing you know and um, yeah we
4: don't know. who benefits
3: absolutely it's the people who want to well there's various agendas being being serviced one of them obviously is to continue to provide justification for imperial wars of aggression in muslim lands because and we to have
4: societal control
3: yeah because we have to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them here and oh look they're here now. We better fight them even harder over there. And also, they hate you
4: for your freedoms. I'm taking your freedoms away.
2: And also to divi- divide. Yeah, do hate you
4: anymore. Divide
2: at home. <laughs> I'm taking your freedoms
1: away, and I'm going to store them and look after them for you. Don't yeah. you
4: worry about them. I'll
1: your put them in a bank now. Well, it's kind of funny that people have freedoms. If freedom became like freedom became a thing that you have. Like mm-hmm. oh, you have like x number of freedoms yeah. instead of having you either have freedom or you don't. You know, I mean, it's just just mm-hmm. a ridiculous concept. It's insanity.
2: Well, who, who benefits from the Woolwich attack? Well, let's see, a British establishment that uh, was effectively on its knees not that long ago, at least there, there was a serious threat um, when there was succession of reports coming out about high-level high pedophilia, institutionalized pedophilia in mm-hmm. the British government mm-hmm. up to today. The same British government that is completely broke, mm-hmm. the same country that is like many other Western countries collapsing economically,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and these spurious terror attacks that they come up with
3: are designed to distract. designed population. to just distract people from the state of their country, and also from, like we've said in previous shows, from a cosmic threat that is increasingly present in our skies. And people are, you know, the more and more that. Well, the more that people look up to the skies and are reporting on meteorites, etc., flying across the skies and, and environmental change or earth changes, climate change, etc., every now and again, they're going to have to carry out some kind of a, hysterical. look down here. Yeah. You know, your neighbor might be the next killer. He might be the next knife-wielding maniac in the street. You know, keep your, keep your head down and uh, pray for God's blessing. It is, Don't
2: look up. It is raining fireballs, people. Yeah.
3: We've got a call here. So I'm
6: going to go ahead and take
3: it. Hi, Carla, What's your name? Where are you
6: calling from? Hi, this is Rich, calling from Great Britain. Hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. Welcome, Rich. Ah, oh, yes. Hello. I couldn't tell whether I could be heard or not, that's all.
2: You're good. I mean, You're coming through. <laughs> how's, yeah, how's, life
6: no.
3: in, how's life in Life
2: <laughs> In Great Britain, yes.
6: Well, it's a nice sunny day today, but uh, it's been very interesting yeah, the past few days uh just seeing mm. yeah the reac- reaction to this event yeah and the the media reaction so as, well there's there's all sorts of sides i'd say the majority of people are actually very anti all the racism that it's generated but the yeah it's interesting that you do talk about how the media are, are framing it um and there's, i can see there's a very deliberate attempt to Present the, the views of the extreme sides. So, on one hand, you have the English Defence League, that were a minority group that were hardly known by anybody, suddenly spring mm. into prominence with very mm. right wing, very fascist sort of uh, views that they have. And then on the other side, you have um, a, a, a spokesman for who used to be the Islam for You UK, a uh, now banned. Muslim group who's uh, linked to radicalizing as they frame it um mm-hmm. the current sus- suspect in this attack and amgem who's been on both BBC Newsnight and this is and also channel Four and refusing to condone the attack so it comes across that he's um you know this guy's a, a very a very small minority guy and yet he's getting tremendous air coverage and the views that he's espousing are very well, this fall into the hands of those that want to actually, you know, be racist and encourage the kind of racism and hatred of this the, the Muslims. It's um it's so really quite
3: yes. They're actively no, encouraging sorry, carry on. that right, they're actively encouraging that kind of um uh division within society between, as uh, this article says, between uh, British Muslims and white Britons. Uh, they're actively encouraging a division between those two groups, if they are two distinct groups uh, by allowing these right-wing minority nutjobs in the Muslim community and in the in the Briton community, in the white Briton community, to to giving airtime.
6: Yes, essentially yes. That's how I I it's kind of see it. It is because yes. these are individuals that should never ever be given um, any sort of airtime or prominence or exposure, because they are you know they do create divisions and they have their views that are just not healthy at all for society. Yeah, and
4: that's the whole point, it's by design. You don't have a guy stab someone and then stand and talk to the crowd for 20 minutes without this kind of follow-up.
2: Yeah, yeah. when when Huntington wrote that clash of civilization thesis some 20 odd years ago, I mean he presented it as if this was going to be a natural development that he, he was foreseeing, but he actually gives away that, you know, we, we can promote this, mm-hmm. that this is where it's going anyway. Hey, let's just build on it. And this is what they're trying to find, to create the reality of mm-hmm. this so-called class of civilizations. They have to. Because they, can, they
4: have to promote it. Normal people do not want
3: a clash of civilizations. Of course All not. Normal right.
4: don't want war.
3: They want to live their normal lives, but they, the leaders, the psychopaths in power, need a clash of civilizations, threat, right. so that they can mm-hmm. sally forth and... Invade as many countries and commit as many atrocities as they want, on on the basis of that justification that we are protecting our civilization from their civilization. When it the real the real the real clash that needs to be recognized is a clash between normal human beings and psychopaths. Right,
1: you know, I mean, in a certain sense, even the, the the Muslim versus the West thing is totally set up because totally. Then, in a certain sense, you sort of think like well, it's their way of life, ours type of thing, and it's. Really, both of both of the way that we're living is actually total crap. I mean, you know, I'm not going to defend the, the, the Muslim way of life or the Western way of life, saying that it's like the best or even good. I mean, real, really, we should be, you know, looking at, wait a minute, you know, the world is, is kind of sucking right now, uh, both sides. You know, it's not a lesser of two evils. It's They both really kind of suck, and we should, you know, find a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's...
6: Another interesting aspect on the the victim of this, who is a soldier who was wearing a help the heroes t shirt now, if you 're not aware of help the heroes it 's a it 's a, a charity that supports the the troops and um, they 're actually quite prominent and quite popular and they have all sorts of products in supermarkets like ham and butter that help the hero heroes and um, the fact that this guy was wearing a help the heroes t shirt um, has sort of created a a very sort of patriotic uprising for supporting this, and it kind of becomes. Well, I, I just see it as a risk that it um, then prevents those that are critical of British foreign policy actually having mm-hmm. a reasoned discussion about it. Yeah. When of course. You're, because you're, you know, you be tarnished as somebody who's not yeah. helping the heroes. Yeah, it closes down debate, you're which is more... what they yeah. want. Yeah,
2: yeah you, you're cast. You're cast out as a, a hero-hater. You're a self-hating Britain. You're a Britain-hating, Brit- You're a Britain-hating Britain. You're hating You become a foreigner in your own country.
4: It's a psychological operation on the British public.
2: Absolutely.
6: Oh Yeah, and I was going to say, the Anj- jim Chowdhury, he was making those views on Newsnight. I watched a couple of them, and he was you know, basically saying that, but this is British foreign policy, but then because he would not um, condemn, uh, abhor the yeah or up or condemn the the actual killing it then became you know a way of discrediting the whole of this his argument against British foreign policy and the their actions abroad and it's it's yeah. closing down arguments and it's incredibly effective and you know creates a lot of fear i see mhm
2: yeah it's a psychological trap
3: all right rich all right. thanks for your comments. unless you've got something else to tell us thank you All
2: um, right. Um, I was just
6: I have well the specific things about what was left out of his um the rant that he gave. Yeah. Um, the video when you're talking about the message that they, they is given to those that and controlled by the media, I thought it was quite interesting that the actual the short rant that he gave and that was videoed and was became in the, the news clip on all major networks it was longer, and it said at the end, "You think David Cameron will get stuck in the street when we start busting our guns? You think your politicians are going to die? No, it's not going to be the average like you and your children. To, so get rid of them. Tell them to bring our troops back, so you can all live in peace." Mm-hmm. Which, what he did was actually uh, disgusting. Yeah, um, don't absolutely. As, but I just found um, that interesting how media sort of sound bites and edits what they want, what message
3: they want to provide. They edited that out, but at the same time I think that was part of the, the psyop that this killing was and this guy was I would say this guy was most likely mind programmed in some way I or in some it. way manipulated to do what he did. Uh but the problem is that he like we mentioned before, that he gives this fairly reasonable makes these fairly reasonable comments about that this that what he did, not that it's in any way ever justifiable, but that his motive was the the killing of Muslims in other countries and essentially British foreign policy, that this is blowback. Uh, and that's something that puts the responsibility to some extent on the British government. Um, but the problem is that that's the kind of thing that, you know, people who are trying to tell a bit of truth uh, and spread a bit of truth uh, around the world and on the internet and stuff have been saying and now it's now it's directly some extent,
4: associated with a knife wielding madman.
1: Exactly, yeah. you know. It's the oldest
4: trick in the book. I mean, uh, you know, thousands of years of this, over
1: and over and over again. That's what. The, well, here's the thing: like, when it comes to that, like, violence is never an acceptable response. You know, I mean, even even you can understand, like, you can step back and say, okay, well, I understand why you came in there and did that, but. That doesn't make it okay. Like it's not okay to go and stab some soldier in the street. No, I, mean, I don't think that, anyone's is, saying it's okay. No, but that's the thing. We're not no, saying that, but we're, exactly, we're yeah. saying
3: that we understand uh, his his mm-hmm. in, well, you can in his terms argument, his motive.
1: The argument of well, this is what you're doing to other people, you know, kind of thing is really not necessarily a good tactic to take. I think, in my in my opinion, because it does have that undercurrent of justifiability, and violence is never justifiable. Think of the words.
2: Right. Uh, no, think of the words they put in Osama bin Laden's mouth. Which was that we did this because we want the u s and Israel out of Palestine, mm-hmm. absolutely, well, a worthy cause for millions who, who but, do care, yeah they tarnish yeah.
1: right, and
4: mm-hmm. I get your point about the violence never being justified, and I completely agree, but I think the idea is that he brought up the point that you know Muslims, Muslim terrorists in quotation marks didn't just grow organically out of nothing, he right, brought right, up the point yeah. that uh it's cause and effect, you guys, yeah. right. and that's the simple point. So he brings oh, it up. Actually, surprisingly, a it's man. not
1: because we're saying that they are basically like, they put these things on. So, I mean, like, even even okay. the, the, the right. Muslim population, they aren't actually real. There aren't any real terrorists. They have to make it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, yeah. as a general rule, people just don't like going around stabbing. Oh. Mm. It, you know?
2: Did you notice anything strange about the weather in the UK recently, Rich? Well, apart from today
6: being sunny, but the the rareness of it being sunny is hot topic of conversation. Everybody is talking about the fact that it's actually warm today, um, because right. it, it has we we have not had any sort of warmth. We've had just this horrible damp, freezing um, for the last. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long. It's six months or so. It feels like this winter is never ending. It's unbelievable, mm-hmm. and everyone's aware yeah. of it.
2: So, and what strikes me strange. is that. They would not like people to be noticing their, their environment changing. Yep. Let's give them something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, next thing you know, yes, please. Yeah. terrorist attack, government meeting. Terrorism. Terrorism. Yeah. Got to get them terrorists.
6: All right, Rich. Thanks for your call. No, thank you ever so much. Yeah, keep it up. Cheers. Okay. Thanks. Take Rich. care. Yeah, good, good night. Cheers. So...
3: Yeah, I mean, the point on the terrorism aspect of it that the British government and everybody else who've been given been giving, been given official airtime or airtime to present the official story is calling that act uh, the other day, the stabbing the other day in London, terrorism. It's a terror attack, officially. Um, but the thing about it is, is that this guy killed a British soldier uh, outside an army barracks. Right. And he killed a soldier of a country that is at war. Right. Um but the acts of the acts of the of the of the army of the British Army it, when they it, kill it, civilians is not terrorism. Right. But when he kills a soldier, it is terrorism. And it, people would it, say
1: that whole situation is just a gigantic setup. Because I'm not on either side, to be quite honest. I mean hmm. I'm on the side that's like the government really um they kinda of suck at what they do. with the economy with the laws, with the maintaining the roads with the, the they kind of are really bad at everything and they're going around and hurting all these different people and so it's like it's the it's the own people against the government and these this Muslim problem the quote unquote Muslim problem is being carted in and it's all about like yeah they kill us we kill them and stuff like that and it's like that's really not the point mm-hmm. you know I mean if we, if we took care of the psychopathic people in power, mm-hmm. then the soldiers wouldn't be over there doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So thinking about it in terms of, oh, those soldiers, they're doing this bad stuff. It's like, yeah, that's because the guy up there signed a piece of paper. and so he, t- he told a bunch of really aggressive mind program 19 19-year-olds who-, who volunteered for the Army, right or wrong, whatever, to go do that. What did you expect them to do? You gave them guns, and you said, hey, you're going to have to shoot people. It's you or them. It's you or them. That's what they say to you in boot camp. You or them. You or them. They have ingrained that into you. You send some 19-year-old kid who's been radicalized in boot camp over there yeah he's going to do that kind of stuff that's you know the our soldiers against them or their terrorists or whatever that's just such it's such complete distraction from the fact is it is really the 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 bricklayer versus the government that's all that is carted in to keep the regular everyday middle class lower class people from ever saying hey wait a minute. You know, our social security sucks. The weather's changing. You can't protect us. Whenever anything happens, you don't take care of us. You don't do any of the stuff that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You don't do any of the stuff that you promised that you're going to do. You don't do anything that we pay you taxes for. So why do we have you around? Mm-hmm. And to keep people from asking that question, they card in this Muslim problem. it's the terrorists, And our soldiers are over there. And then we start arguing about whether or not soldiers who go into a country are killing people. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't send soldiers into countries unless you expect people to be killed. That's what they do. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no such thing as a peaceful soldier. You, you don't put a soldier into a town and not expect him to mow everybody down. But
3: most of the British and American you know? public believe that their soldiers are over there being
1: uh, peaceful. They're peacekeepers, the peacekeepers. there's yeah. no such thing as a peaceful army. But most people believe that there is. Army that they're is, fighting a good fight. There's no such thing. They kill people. Yeah, sometimes it might be necessary, maybe. I don't know. That's an argument for another day, Right. But if you send an army into a country and then start complaining that they're killing people, it's like, well, then maybe you shouldn't have sent them there in the first place.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of the the point that people are trying to make. Some people are trying to make and making that point and then saying to the British public, well, don't get so indignant when it comes when the chickens come home to roost, everything when you get some uh, when you get a return. But the
1: chickens aren't coming home to roost because the government's doing both sides. Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. Chickens are not coming home to roost. Of course. It's all a distraction.
3: Of course, but that's one step ahead. I mean, you have to start at rock bottom. you. You have to start at rock bottom with people and try and get them to go to level one, which is listen. You you can't be indignant about this because of what's going on in other countries.
1: Well, that's wrong Assuming... because you can be indignant about it.
3: Well, you can be indignant. Well, I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. can't complain. I'm sorry. If,
1: some, if Soldier X – right, we're sitting out here right here in France, right? And th- they send their soldiers over to, like, oppress people all the time because that's the way that France sometimes likes to work. Okay, cool. If they go over and do that, I think that that's deplorable. I don't think that it's cool. But then if somebody comes from that country and bombs me or kills me, I'm still not going to be like, oh, well, you <laughs> I understand why you're doing this. It's like, no, violence is not understandable. It's well, not it's not okay. about understanding. It's, it's, about, it's, it's
2: about
3: putting the blame. The idea is to kind of get the people in, in, in the UK, for example, to, to, to point the finger at the real culprit.
1: You're never going to get people with that because you, when you go to somebody and say, yeah, but you're culpable, they'll resist you even more. No, I'm not saying they're culpable. are more they, equal than other
4: animals. I'm saying, I'm
3: saying the getting them to point the finger at the government for sending their troops over to a foreign country and bombing civilians, killing civilians, and then having some of those civilians, or the, the the survivors, family members, come to your country and do the same to you. It's kind of like if someone... But then if
1: you I, accept it as something
3: that is okay. No, no, that
4: the no, it's, it's
3: trying to understand, getting to level one of understanding that this is going to happen, to get them to understand that this is going to happen if you allow your government to continue. If you do but not, not if, you, if, if you support your government in sending troops over to foreign countries to kill civilians, this is the result. It's like, it's like saying to someone, if you slap that guy in the face, he's going to slap you back. And you can't wail and scream and say this is unfair when I slapped him in the face. Could, and he slapped me
1: back. I can't. I can't. The situation is really not the same. Well, <laughs> that's an analogy, analogy, is, well, as well, an I think the problem is ages. that
4: you're expecting, you have this idea that people are actually capable of thinking and of putting, you know, and of They're understanding gonna, that all of all humanity is quote unquote equal, and that's just not the case. They it? don't
1: look at it that way at all. And you're going to make What's the main that way. You never right. succeed by making people feel that way. You never. I mean, because it's not about punishing. It's about bringing people back together. It's about establishing, you know, real lasting communities. It's about people looking around and saying, "Hey, we're all human beings. We're all in the same shit, and we need to stop the psychopath situation going on." Mm. Not that we need to. I mean, because you, you, if you go out and you say, "Look, the reason this is happening is your fault," they just they won't be able to do it, and they'll go they'll go deeper into the, oh, no, no no, it's not. They've been
4: psychologically manipulated because, yeah, for exactly. so long.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, then, I mean,
1: you but, can't get them on rational. But people at, at that level of,
3: of dissociation or of, at that level of mind programming are really lost. There's no way to reach them at all. If you can't reach them with a very True. simple cause and effect argument, well then I don't think you're going to be able to reach them with a psychopathic power argument.
1: Yeah, you
4: are. I, I kind of tend to side with Joe on that one. Well, I I'm think I'm the, the right.
1: people... I think that people will understand eventually. I mean, of course, it's probably going to lead to, you know, there'll have to be a few more collapses. I mean, I look at it in terms of like, you know, another 10 to 15,000 years of human history. And by then, we'll probably get it. Oh, okay. I mean, it will be dead. But eventually, I mean, yeah, eventually the human race will either kill itself off or, you know, learn I don't to don't We haven't
4: learned that now. much in the last 10 to 15,000 years. So oh, we have a little
1: bit. Have we have we? a little bit. There's a There's... little bit more. You know,
4: I don't think so. I'd, I'd say we've gone in the
1: opposite direction. I don't know. There's 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 one two there's three people here that kind of generally get it. I mean, I think we're making progress. <laughs> he left me out, by the way, since there's four of us here. <laughs> no, <it's>, I wasn't <laughs> counting myself. I, let, I left Dan out because, yeah.
2: for obvious reasons. Well, something that struck me about the the Boston bombings is when I sat back and thought about it. This is something that happens on a daily basis. In countries that are subject to invading armies, particularly the US army, but also British and European forces. And it's I'm, I'm afraid to say it, it's a daily reality for them. An impro- improvised explosive device of some kind goes off. People are killed, maimed horribly. They pretty much have to just get on with things because it's going to happen in the next marketplace, mm-hmm. the next day mm-hmm. on the other side of town. Now, Boston bombings was the first thing that it happened in the u s mm-hmm. and I may be part of the reason why it's being analyzed to death to the point of no, it didn't really happen. It was kind of, there's a kind of a schizophrenic break from reality here where it's all a hoax it I didn't really just see what I saw mm-hmm. and it's worrying, but it I don't know is it going to take more incidents to bring it home to Americans? What's going on? That what's being applied in Boston bombings is exactly what's being applied elsewhere.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's a that's a way down the conspiracy
3: hole as well for the average person. You know what I mean? Because you have to get them to accept a lot of things before uh, they would go there. You know, um, you have to get them to accept that. Well, it, it, they're it, not fighting a war on terror to keep us safe. They're actually
2: it's a war of of, of imperial should, expansion and aggression. It should not be way down the conspiracy hole for people who've been anti war and, and yeah talking about what the US military is doing overseas for the last ten years mm-hmm. and more. Um, and yet they're very small they percentage are, of
4: the population though. I mean
2: it really is Yeah. But even that's, this is what even that small percentage, let's say the very elect, to use the biblical quote, are making the Boston bombings it, it becomes a particularly well, it, it can't just have been uh, a bomb that went off and killed people, there has to have been something more to it because it was here. It was done in the u s mm. you know um well there might
3: be yeah there might there might there may have to be a few more similar kind of attacks before people just accept it as a new reality as as a lot of people around the world have already accepted it as a new reality. you know what I find interesting is is the whole idea that the government has for a long time. Been stage managing the the kind of blowback. I mean, people talk about blowback that these kind of terror attacks are blowback from from American foreign American and British foreign policy. But the foreign policy makers and uh, have have known for a long time that there may well have been some blowback. There may well be some blowback from the countries that they've been invading and bombing, etc. So what they do is they contain it in advance by carrying out those blowback operations themselves. That's a perfect way to, to do it, you know? Um, because you kind of kill two birds with one stone in a way you kind of control the response of the people at home uh, in the sense of stopping them from ever understanding the real nature of the foreign policy uh, by, by kind of terrorizing them and make, creating the reality of this foreign threat as being really real and this is why we're invading other countries because there are these attacks. And at the same time, you pre-demonize any of these potential, um, you know, any of your potential attackers, like anybody who'd come from a foreign country in the Middle East or whatever, to, to the UK or whatever, and try and carry out a bombing. You do the bombings yourself and, and have this lockdown. And, and anybody who who ever might have thought of doing something against the British government or whatever in response to their actions abroad is kind of, their they've been... Um, They've been kind of suppressed or controlled right from the beginning because they're they're thinking holy holy shit you know I mean I'm not yeah. going to get away with it it's already you know it's already happening other people are doing it but they don't realize it's basically the British government well, a lot of them maybe do think that it's the British government doing it but uh, you know what I mean it's uh, they're they're set up in advance they, these kind of people seem that they think they do have some capacity I think down the line a little bit and set things up in advance mm. you know which kind of is at odds with our idea of Psychopaths having no understanding or no ability to, to, to envision, envision the future and, and, and plan
1: for the future. The and problem they just is live that evidence you know? about psychopaths comes from, psychopaths. The, from, no, sometimes, but it usually comes from the scientific research done in like prisons and psychiatric right. wards. We're mm. talking about failed psychopaths, mm-hmm. those who couldn't hack it in society. And mm. it's not that they can't plan and see in
3: the future.
4: Outcomes that they think will be advantageous to them, which sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. It's that they can't really extrapolate that in a way that isn't what they want to see. That's
3: kind of
1: nonlinear, or yeah, yeah. Or and they are so think we think that they're smart enough that they're going to figure it. You know, it's going to go their way, or yeah. so we think, you know, or I mean, from what we can tell, right? Mm-hmm. From what we can tell, but again, all of that information comes from prison populations and psychiatric wards, where those people are evaluated by doctors, and those are the failures. Those are the ones that couldn't hack it in society. So who knows? Uh, what kind of, you know, what's possible. I think that the, the core of, of the psychopath is more um, the inability to empathize with other human beings. The inability to empathize and sympathize is and so, d- more, so much more important.
4: And I do think it's obvious that they do have special psychological knowledge of how normal human beings operate and what yeah. they react to and how they're easily herded right. and how to hijack rational thought
1: with emotion. I right think here. that the, the, their, their inability to have strong emotion influenced by others gives them a lot of time to sit there and think about why other people are doing that. And then in the end, it's it's their the core lack of empathy and conscience that is so important as opposed to things like, oh, they might not have some sort of temporal reasoning or something like that. I don't even know if that's true. But you do obviously recognize that there's a large, uh, a significant group of people who are, are consciousness. They have absolutely no empathy and no ability to sympathize with anyone whatsoever and can do the most horrible things. And obviously, can plan them, um, and that requires the ability to think in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think that they do. I think.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the evidence suggests that they do. You know, and they're quite, quite Machiavellian about it, or quite uh, strategic. Uh, they set traps for people. Basically, they set. They have some. They have a pretty pretty good idea of the way people are going to react, to certain things, and they set up a, a, a little. Let's an answer in advance Yeah, you know, to the questions that they know
1: will be posed. Well, I think in a certain sense that they may have lucked out that there's such a large part of the population kind of obviously doesn't have that natural inclination towards the truth. They can recognize the truth. I think everybody really can recognize the truth if they mm-hmm. have a vested interest in it. But they don't really actively seek it out. They just I mean, think about a group of people who think that, you know, uh, sort of like a talking steak in a, in a secret garden had found a magic apple and gave it to a naked woman with, you know, fig leaves over naughty bits, you know, I mean, and they really believe that. Because, you know, I mean, even if it was allegorical, you know, some people have this natural ability to just believe something that's completely made up. And so the psychopath, it's like it's like a kid in a candy store Absolutely. in modern with modern day man, because he's just he's so vulnerable to believing what's not true, you know, which is why it's such an important thing for you to constantly just repeat the truth to people. Because if you don't, they forget it because somebody else comes in and repeats a lie, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. So getting back to t- to the title of our show today, which is "It's All a Hoax," the madness of conspiracy theorists. Are conspiracy theorists mad?
4: No. Hot.
3: Hot potato. Plug a hot potato.
4: Hot potato. Can they be driven mad? Yes.
3: Are they being driven mad? I are think they for, being
4: herded? I think it's yes.
3: Some of them have been in it for so long mm-hmm. that they really are getting tired and want <coughs> the, the the easy answer. You know, the right. the they want to believe that the government is just going to make this big mistake and they're going to just expose themselves. You know, what what they don't realize is that. Maybe there's some scope for that, but I think more likely is the fact that as they continue to do these, carry out these operations and watch responses from people and analyze them as their kind of intel gathering of capabilities increase or have increased over the years, they've just got better at it. Yeah. It's not that they're going to expose themselves all of a sudden because they're...
1: I think people um, believe in this actors thing for a lot of different reasons. One was, of course, to escape you know the pain of the realization of what's really going on. But a lot of it's ego, you know. People feel superior when they when they spot deception. I mean, mm. there's the person who who delights in deceiving somebody, but then there's the other one who delights in saying, "Ha, I'm smart enough to figure it out." So, ha, ah, you couldn't get me. Mm. And I think that a lot of people they like the thing because it's so simple for them to understand that they just just say, "Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay, yeah, cool. Now I've got it figured out, and I can move on." And not only that, but then there's no real danger anymore. Yeah. There's no no masked men actually going into schools and shooting up kids. There's no people really setting bombs that chop off people's legs. And so that it's less dangerous, right? They can say like, well, the government's a problem, but now it's no longer a problem where they're killing us for their own ends. It's they're pretending to. So, okay, we don't have to deal with it right now. Mm -hmm. What's frustrating
4: to me is that these are the minds that should be helping other people figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. these are the minds that notice something's wrong and they and they want to figure it out and they're just being so obviously vectored it's so obvious they're not paying attention to what really matters they're not paying attention to what's really happening it's just so frustrating because it's not necessary and they're just being so easily led by emotion and fantastical theories theories and
3: I wonder if there's some aspect of some kind of some Forces at work in <clears throat> at work in the world uh, that are causing some kind of a psychological deterioration on a on a mass scale. Right? I mean, is there any other evidence that that's going on? I mean, things are getting worse, right, in terms of the amount of uh, BS and nonsense and the crassness of the kind of distractions that people mm-hmm. are being offered. I mean, it has got mm-hmm. pretty bad uh, over the past ten years. I mean, I mean the kind of stuff that people. Uh, entertain themselves with or are able to be entertained by it
2: yeah.
3: is pretty lowbrow you know right. uh, it's kind of push the button for the for the dopamine hit over and over and over me, again you know me. yeah hit me baby one more time <laughs> well must i suppose that that um that's a bit of a that question is a bit too philosophical i think I don't think we'll be able to...
4: Well, I think there's loads of evidence to say, well, yeah, people are getting dumber and more easily distracted. Look at reality TV. Well, look, yeah, here's, yeah, here's no, here's the
1: thing. You know, if you read, like, early Stoicism, you know, it's thousands of years old. This philosophy basically said this kind of stuff that that people are led by their emotions and it leads them into terrible, bad situations, you know. So it's obviously been a problem that's been going on for a long time. Um, and, you know, people just have to learn to step back a bit.
3: There may be peaks and troughs
1: for yeah, our human
3: civilization of... You know,
1: the hysteric the, the, the hystericization, what is, the hysteroidal cycle, or what yeah. did, did Lobachevsky call it? You know, I mean, yeah. people become hysterical and then they basically, you know, shoot themselves in the foot by allowing the yeah. to take control, you know, with all their promises of security. And then, of course, they attain none. And then, you know, something bad happens because random bad shit happens on Earth. You know, I mean, yeah. tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, 300,000 people dead. Type is of thing. it random, though? You know, is it random? We don't know. Or but, tied
3: to the you know, stupidity of the human race en masse.
1: Oh, I, think, I think I'd think i like to think that it, it, it is sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Um, I'd rather people wake up.
3: That's and, another philosophical question
1: <laughs> that
3: we can't answer. It's a
1: philosophical night. Yeah. We're
3: throwing out philosophical questions and providing no answers. <laughs> no answers at all. We know all the answers, but we just uh, don't have time to explore them tonight. Um, I think unless any of our esteemed guests here and hosts have anything else to say on the topic. Uh, we'll call it a night. And uh, I think we've dealt with the topic as it was presented fairly well. Um if anybody has any more questions or more comments on it, we have a form mm-hmm. at dot And you can find the form link there. And, um, so thanks to all of our listeners and to our few callers. Um, we will be back next week.
2: Same time, next Sunday.
3: Same time, same place. Same place. On the internet. Cyberspace.
1: On the interwebs.
3: On the internet. Okay, so we will call night.
1: Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you.